Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. We're not live, we're not together, but we are here. Sean, what's the good word, my friend? Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. I feel like we're live. I mean, we're talking to each other. We're just not broadcasting live, I guess. But yeah, no, we're we're not together. We had a great week at the Banknote and Currency Conference. Had like combined with a, a digital currency event we had at the end of the week, we had about 600 people, 400 at the, the currency conference and then another 200 or so at the digital currency conference. So it was a good mix of folks. Enjoyed hearing all about cash and payment trends and uh, new technologies and security features and all sorts of stuff that are hopefully moving the industry forward. And it was good to just see everybody after a couple of years of not being able to see everybody. So it was a, a great week. And now we're just kind of taking stock of where we are, wrapping up the event, and uh, looking forward to our, our next series of events coming up this year all around the world. So I, I think, you know, a couple takeaways from the week is that cash isn't going anywhere in the short term. I think that was definitely a takeaway it was there's a lot of uncertainty out there and in some markets going through COVID, we've had cash decline and others have seen a big increase in cash. So it's been just kind of this uncertain environment that a lot of central banks have had to had to deal with. And as they have done that, they've had to, to also manage supply chain challenges like everybody else. It's just been a a world of trying to figure out what's happening with demand. They've managed through it um, and they don't really see demand going away. Uh, that's kind of echoed even by the digital currency folks that were there at the end of the week, who I'd say we spent a lot of time talking about central bank digital currency. And I'd say the, the main message coming out of that, which kind of surprised me, was even on that side of the coin being like, yeah, no, this isn't really gonna gonna replace cash or even make a dent so much into cash usage it's something that is still under development a long way off and its use case while there are some specific use cases it's broader like universal use case is not clear it's not really looked as though it will will be a replacement for cash in any any near term even middle term anyway uh from the cash use standpoint uh that was kind of the the takeaways i don't know tom you were there what were what were some of your you know, I think the first I'd like to say is that uh, kudos to you and your team, because it's difficult to put on a conference of that size when everything is normal. And um, for those of the listeners that, you know, didn't get a chance to listen to us live, we're in for more than 60% of the audience there. Well, it was the first time they had business travel. And there were a lot of international folks. And unfortunately, the first night we were there, Russia invaded the Ukraine. So you had international folks that had other concerns on their minds. And I think, you know, currency research always puts on a good show, but with all of the things going on, it was a really 
well put together and I, I don't think we missed a beat. I think that, uh, and we, we did talk about this live, so I'm sorry if you heard us live, but I think, I don't think a lot of people have the opportunity to tune in live all the time. There was a lot of great dialect about, you know, digital versus traditional fiat currency, but then there was also some really passionate folks about what's happening in the note industry and all of things that are occurring. I think it would be interesting if the conference is today versus a week ago, because we're now seeing in real in real life what happens on both sides of the fence. A country that needs digital currency needs to get money quicker than their traditional way. You know, you know, Ukraine is taking donations in, in crypto and, and Bitcoin because it's it's a little bit faster. And then the reverse opposite, where this is an experiment that you couldn't do on purpose, but what happens when all of your traditional payment, digital payment systems go down and not to shed light on a horrific situation, but there's no way we could have done the experiment of what happens when SWIFT doesn't work, what happens when digital payments don't work. And we actually saw that happen live in Moscow where people couldn't get on a subway, couldn't get on Metro. And then while it's a horrific example to use war or potential war invasion, it's a really good, and you and I talk about this all the time, what happens in a developed country versus an undeveloped country? A lot of the experiments that occur happen in very small undeveloped countries, so you don't have a good measurement. We are seeing in real time what happens when digital payments don't work for how difficult it is and how important it is to have diversity. And I think that was one of the things that I took away from the show on my own is the div- how diverse payments are. You had people at that conference that were heavily focused on the note, but then how do you accept the note? How do you validate the note? How do you transfer it? Like, how do you protect it? And then you had you know, Mark open up with, you know, challenging the assumptions. Don't assume it's always going to be this way and that there is an evolution occurring. It isn't good or bad. It's just a change. Of course, you and I joked about this. You had some digital folks that on the fence, very, very to the side of one, like digital is it and, or, or crypto is it. But you had more folks that were in the middle that really had a grasp for why we started this podcast, right, John? Like, to just talk about the fact that there's so much changing with the exception of currency research and a couple other platforms, you're the, probably the biggest. There isn't any way to share information, get information and talk about it. And I think my other takeaway at dinner, I'm sitting with folks I love, networking, people I've never met from all over the world. And they have very, very, very strong viewpoints. And what you and I always talk about, their viewpoints generally work to how they get paid, how they make their money. You know, if you make banknotes for a living, clearly you're going to be passionate about that. And I saw that there. And that was, it was great to see all sides of the fence coming together and really having collaborative conversations about what's going on. I think the next time we're all together at the end of the year in San Diego, we're probably going to have examples of things that we couldn't have fathomed or that occurred that we can actually talk about, like the what if scenario becomes the no, we know what will happen. We've seen it happen now. How do we how do we massage the middle piece of that? Um, but all in all, it was it was a great few days together. It was also great to be together, right? The, I think the one takeaway that um, I said is it was abundantly clear that people wanted human interaction. Even the folks that were concerned, and there were some folks that I talked to, I think only 16% of the audience pulled, and I think you had a pretty good participation rate on, on your, your polls, if I remember, looking, said that they had some stress with it. But that stress when I talked to them was more about, am I going to be able to get back home? Yeah. Am I going to get stuck? It wasn't so much I'm going to get sick. It was like the travel stress. And when I talked to the folks, we and I think you guys did a great job, and I've been to multiple conferences, you and I went to one together, you did a great job of making it easy for people that 
didn't necessarily want to be too close together versus, you know, you had the green for people that were fine. And then you had yellow for social distance. But by the second day, what you learned with the folks with the yellow bands is that they were just trying to feel everybody else out. It was almost like what's socially acceptable. Cause I, I took someone's hand and I apologized Said you had yellow. I said, Oh, I didn't realize. And he said, no, he said, you know, when I got here, I wasn't sure how everybody else would be. So I was trying to figure out what the right, what the right handle was. And I think you made it very easy for folks to do that. But also it was regardless of the folks I talked to, I spoke to a lot of people from, from all different parts of Africa and, for anybody that doesn't realize how big Africa is, it's just so massive. Uh, there were a lot of folks from South Africa all over. And a couple of them were like, you know, I was, I, this is the first time I've traveled and it was so easy. Like it was much easier. I was so concerned that I was going to get stuck and locked in a room, like, because I didn't get a test. Um, so I, I think that that's for anybody who's listening, you got to do what's right for you. But I, I will tell you as someone that's been to multiple conferences, one Sean and your group did a great job of making it easy, but also the human interaction factor just is unbeatable. And that's from listening, from talking, from just seeing each other. And while again, this by no means am I making a suggestion someone should follow my lead, not having a mask on and being able to smile and see someone makes a difference. Like, you know, the body language is there and culturally, I think it's important, especially when you're, you're you go from talk, you're talking to people all over the world that uh, in some cases, not the you know, facial expressions really matter, you know, where the mask changed the way they communicated. And a couple of folks I spoke to there said, you know, they had a really hard time with masks because in certain countries, people are very proper. They bow, they stand straight. And he's like, we don't have body language like you guys do. And someone actually made a comment, you and Sean are moving around. <laughs> like, it's clear that you, you know, it, and so all of those things are things we, I think we take for granted, but I, I think we did this live, but you, and, and forgive me if you did this when I was off, but did you want to touch on what Mike or Mark will talked about? Mike Gould used to be my CEO. Just to be clear. <laughs> so I want to make one statement. My CEO, the CEO of Bloomingdale's for many, many years was named Mike Gould. So I know Mark Gould's there. I just said like, same name. That's why I said that. So you want to make any comments on that? I mean, you kind of gave the high, very high level summary there, but it's, it's just that things are changing. The world is, is evolving. And there are all of these different payment choices that are out there now and technologies and developments. And, you know, as he's taken on the new role of the chief payments executive at the Fed. So it's his in his role now, he's trying to look at all the payments cohesively, and figure out, okay, well, as a central bank, uh, how do we manage cash for the future? How do we manage uh, real-time payments? How do we manage central bank digital currency? And how do they all play together? And just try to get an understanding because the Fed, like many organizations, is very large and has a lot of specialists. And a lot of times folks focus in what they're good at in their silos um, and don't necessarily figure it all out. So, but it's getting to the point where it all has to play together, right? You need real time. So what's the argument for using a central bank digital currency? If you have a real time payments platform, how do they relate? Do you then still need cash or the same amount of cash? Or does cash turn into a central bank digital currency or vice versa? How, how does that all work? So rather than just kind of continue siloed type development, they, they've kind of brought this, this all together under one, one umbrella, at least at the strategy level. And you know, his, his main point was that 
there's a lot of unknowns out there. Um, so you have to pretty much stay flexible. People are going to head in one direction or the other direction, and it might be wrong, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay to to be wrong as you try to figure this out um, and course correct and do it, but you have to move one way or the other. <laughs> you can't just yeah. stand there. <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of just about that. And it was it was a good kind of level setting, um, I think, for everybody to hear that yeah i mean there's all this change and again it's not it's not good or bad it's just things are changing and you know i I do think a lot of folks you know mark mentioned at a really high level and it was themed throughout the event but you know i think the fear of cash going away has kind of dissipated i think everybody there not just because they're in the cash industry but i think just because it's getting to the point where people realize that okay at least at least in their lifetimes and probably the next generation's lifetime, honestly, cash isn't going to go away. In fact, when you looked at all the stats that a lot of people put up, it's increased pretty significantly throughout the pandemic. Now, a lot of that is value and a lot of that is hundreds and large denominations uh, being used in various places or being sent internationally. But Or you talk to some of the Latin American countries and it's inflation that's running out of control. So they're obviously just, you know, the printing presses are going. But nonetheless, from a banknote producer's standpoint, by and large, volumes are up significantly because of all the capacity and production challenges with COVID when you bring that in. A lot of places have moved now to storing more inventory. So some of it was a stock up so that they're going to hold more paper notes to smooth through any sort of production disruptions in the future more than they had before. And I think everybody is just kind of waiting to see if there's this big influx of notes that comes back as everybody gets back out and starts moving notes around again. And as interest rates climb, do all the notes that are just pooling out in various locations, whether it's CITs or banks or people's houses or wherever, do they find their way back into the banking system uh, and then back to the Fed uh, when it becomes more expensive to, to hold cash? I don't know. I personally think some of it will. I don't really see a big flood coming in. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. I couldn't agree with you more on every point there. I think one of the things that really stuck out to me, which was great, was someone at that level of the Fed kind of speaking freely about that it is different, right? Like, I think sometimes the general consensus and at the show even was, you know, if you were in banknotes, like you were focused on banknotes, right? Like that makes sense from a business perspective, but you almost sometimes were in denial that there was an evolution, like, and, and that, that, that things were changing. And I thought it was a great opening to say like, hey, you know, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but we know that cash will be a part of it. We know there are these other things will be a part of it. We know that what occurs and, um, you know, today might not be what occurs a year from now, but we know that there, there's going to be a mix. And I think globally COVID, you know, it's funny and, and not funny, but it is COVID taught us that, you know, Hey, we're going to have to, as consumers change, right? Like we're going to be home, but COVID also was people ran and got their money and stuck it under their bed or whatever they did with it. Right. We know they did something with it. But they weren't using it at stores. They were, but they took it out of the banks. And now you have this example in you know Europe where it's the opposite now, where it's like, oh, your money, you know, it, all you have is is paper money. You don't have an option to spend. And although, like I said, it's a terrible example, it's a real example of what happens in a developed country. If if you didn't have money saved, you're probably in trouble there. You know, you're not you're not, you're not going to the bank to get it right now. It's it's you know that type of thing. So the, well, the value paper is important. Yeah, and we see that. I mean, it, again, it's a, unfortunate that it's a war, but at the same time, it's every political and economic or 
natural disaster experience, anything that shakes people's confidence, uh, whether or not you take the electronic system offline, brings people to swarm to get cash. And especially when you add the fact that you can't make electronic transactions, then yes, of course. But yes, you see the lines in the Ukraine trying to get get to the ATMs and just trying to get paper currency, which is another interesting piece on the on the digital currency front. I mean, there are a lot of folks that it's interesting in two ways. I mean, a lot of folks, yes, they might be trying to get to a digital currency that's out there, whether it's Bitcoin or, or whatever, but try to get, get money converted into that. Because as you said before, maybe it's easier to, to do that quickly. You can't get to your cash. So you're going to try to get everything into some sort of, uh, whether it's, I don't know, whatever digital currency of your choice might be. But the other interesting piece to it is, say there was a central bank digital currency. I don't even know what happens to that in a case like that, right? You have the let's say it was in the ukraine and russia does happen to to take over the central bank well what happens to all that central bank digital currency with a keystroke it goes away i would assume so that's pretty frightening and then say it was a russian central bank digital currency issued by their central bank well then everybody else just refuses i mean i guess you can refuse to accept the the ruble as it is but i don't know there's there's systemic things that that you could do to an electronic currency as well but what you just said is the whole thing that i think why again we're here because it isn't a simple yes or no or this way or that way there's there's a mix and there's plus or minuses with everything and so while i was at the conference i didn't I didn't get to stay for the full day Friday. I, I had to leave. So I think, and it's a shame because I really would have liked to stay for the full day for the digital side of it. But I spoke to someone and someone um, actually came up to me and was there throughout the conference and stayed for digital and said, oh, I, I heard you talking about cybersecurity and sort of talking about this and uh, risk. And, you know, I, I really believe crypto is is the safest way to go from an anonymy standpoint. And I said, oh, I said, it's interesting you say that because, well, I didn't have a ch- chance to talk on the stage today, but like, you know, the largest seizure in, in history was $3.6 billion of crypto. I said, and the FBI seized it at the beginning of the month. And he said, oh, well, uh, well, what do you mean? And I said, yeah, they followed the money. I said, they just followed the digital ledger until it turned over into real things. In that case, it happened to be a Walmart gift card. But there was a criminal case that they were invest. the FBI was investigating for years, literally years, where a couple took a, an, a denomination of Bitcoin. They, they defrauded it. And it then grew to $4.5 billion. So the seizure was 3.6. They actually seized $3.6 billion. But the, the loss was up to 4.5. The FBI statement, and granted, this was definitely PR-driven, is like, we're going to follow the money and we're eventually going to get it. This whole crypto digital currency thing, is it isn't as simple as that. You know, there's a digital ledger. It isn't fully anonymous. It it's obviously is way more anonymous than a credit card. But I caution every listener to not just take one absolute side. It's not that easy. My belief professionally and personally is that consumer behavior is changing. So we know the way people spend cash is changing. I can almost guarantee you, and this is definitely opinionated, that when you start to talk to someone, the tangible bill still resonates with everybody. And that's, you know, here's a $100 bill. Okay, I know what that is. (laughs) You know, it's a very simplistic piece. Bitcoin is uh, interesting using Bitcoin because, yeah, there's a huge investment opportunity. There's also, you and I talked about the platform, it's a huge risk portfolio there. And then um, my favorite topic, which I think you guys did an amazing job at the, at, at, at the show, was not mixing crypto with, with central bank-backed digital currencies, like really 
explaining it. And, and I was impressed that everybody really did a good job of talking about a digital currency separately and didn't start to blur lines. Because to me, a, a central bank digital currency is just digitizing money, right? Like it's almost like a credit card. To me, it's like a debit card almost. And people will know that's true, but it really is. That it's well, no, it is. We, yeah, we had a, our closing keynote speaker on Friday uh, was Aaron Klein, a um, senior economist at Brookings Institute, worked for Treasury for a long time. But anyway, he came in and he gave it this kind of closing. And and one of the things, aside from being rather harshly critical of the Fed, which the Fed folks in the audience, I'm not sure, loved too much. But in addition to that, he kind of challenged everybody to think about a CBDC, because in his point, kind of to what you just said, Tom, we've had CBDC forever. It's just yep. the first C, rather than being central bank, is commercial bank. He's like, in, in reality, all we're really doing is just changing who's, and not that it's inconsequential, but we're changing whose digital currency it is. Because forever we've had debit cards, yep. transfer of funds from person A to person B, just all using the commercial bank system. And all we're talking about now, instead of the commercial bank's owning that money it's the central bank's money in the central bank's accounts so there are plenty of implications to that but in the in the grand scheme of things he's like it's really nothing from a consumer standpoint it's it's not a whole lot different than what we've yeah, always it, had <laughs> yeah I, I i'm really i'm now, now i'm intrigued to see it because i am often shunned when i say no 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 this is actually that much different that's why i always i struggle a lot with not just saying stop lumping digital payments into to, to, to cryptocurrency to this and it, it, it's easy to do um and even at i even at dinner we were talking about this and they said what are your thoughts on digital currency and i said well what do you mean what do you mean what do i mean i said well, <laughs> cryptocurrency, central bank do you mean you know did you processing oh no no i meant you know cryptocurrency and i said so that's not the same thing and and, and these are banking professionals so and I understand why the lines are blurred because I wish I was there Friday because most, when I explain it as a debit card, people go, but no, it's different. No, it really isn't. It's just who's holding that money digitally. It's actually dollar per dollar, the same value. There's no, it's, it's just, it's just the way it's held. It's actually the way you and I bank today, only central banking, like the reality is it is. And that's why I know that that has to come, right? The next progression naturally is for that to come. And we see both developed and, and non-developed nations saying we're going to do this because they know they need to. Um, and you said you hit it. You said it perfectly. That doesn't mean there's not implications, good or bad. But don't confuse that with you know crypto.com because it's not. It's not the same <laughs> at all. It's it, it's 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 arguably it, it's you're just getting a debit card that the Fed issues. Like I know that the Fed doesn't probably want me to say that, but that's really what it is. And I think. The implications are just implications and they're not necessarily good or bad. It's just how we're going to manage it and, and, and change that. Because today, the thing that we don't talk about enough on this, and we probably should the next episode is there are a lot of virtual banks that you know are out there that are changing the way people bank. And I, I bank with a traditional bank. And then I do a lot with a virtual bank that doesn't have a location, that's never had a location. And there are implications on both sides, good and bad. I'm kind of, I feel like an old man sometimes because sometimes I want to talk to someone and, and touch things. And I think I shared, I shared the example with my bank when, uh, when I bought my house 
And I went to my bank branch, my local branch, and the teller said, oh, Mr. Meehan, it's so good to see you. We don't keep a lot of cash in the bank anymore. We don't have tellers anymore, but we would love to sign you up for a higher tier account. And I'm like, well, do you realize how silly <laughs> that sounds like? I need to pay a contractor and I need money. And you just told me I have to drive 45 minutes away to get it because this bank is to help me service me better. And she said, wow, when you say it like that, she's like, I, you know, but that's part of the evolution. Yes, I probably should have known that this was a branch that was the more that, but the reality was it wasn't a branch like that just a few months prior, they had changed it. And this was pre-COVID. It's important to say that because so, but all of those things play a role in the implications of a central bank in theory is going to be more regulated than a privately held, or you're going to have more bandwidth on what could change. So I, I can't wait till one of the big develop really goes full force with it. I think we're going to do it, see it soon, but I think it's, it's exciting. I know. So we're babbling about, about it. Um, everybody who is, who's on the podcast, I'm pretty sure we're going to pick some cool stuff and make sure that we can deliver it to the audience here. Um, I know that we'll do that. It'll probably be a couple months. Sean did a lot of video there. You know, he, they had, I, I was super excited to see you guys really did a great job with the, the, the professional, like the stage and everything. So I know the listeners are really going get to get, get some stuff out of it soon. And then uh, I'm actually going to Europe next week. So I, I don't know if we're taping next week. If we are taping next week, it's going to be from somewhere cool. So I, I will be all over Europe and I will be, I actually will be in Poland fairly close to Ukraine and uh, uh, in Hungary. And so maybe we'll be taping there. Maybe it will not. If we are, it'll be interesting. It'll probably be at a different hour, but um, I think uh, you're doing some traveling too. So we're, we're out and about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm around next week, the week after I'm in Mexico city at a, another bank note type high security print conference um, down there. So that should be, should be fun to see some some of the Latin American crowd. They haven't been traveling in force up to the U.S. yet, so we're hoping to get them to San Diego in November. But I'm going to try to lay some groundwork for that in a couple of weeks down in Mexico City. Uh, and we're also doing some scouting while we're down there uh, for our next big uh, global cash event, which is a year from May. So we got a long time for that, but starting starting the groundwork to get that all laid out already. So that's uh, that's all in. The- week after next yeah so that's that's some exciting travel yeah so definitely we'll be out and about and we'll we'll obviously be here i was um curious to see how many people would know about the podcast and the bank note a lot of people did and a lot of people asked to be guests so if you're listening to this podcast and you want to be a guest it's actually pretty easy you can just reach out to sean or i you could reach out to us via email linkedin you can text us you can call us most of the listeners, I think, do know us at some level, but a lot of folks, not a few, a lot of folks I spoke to said, how do I become a guest? So I need to compile that list. So I'm actually pretty excited that there are folks that were there that are going to jump on um, and not our average, I would say our average group, like just folks that were like, wow, I would love to get on it. Um, the other thing, and I'll leave you with this, and I'm still, there were a lot of folks there that didn't know what a podcast was. Um, which was very, um, a lot of international cultures, all different age groups. As a matter of fact, two individuals I showed how to subscribe and they'll be listening. I'm quite sure. So if you are listening, thank you. You know, I, I think it, as we're going through this, we love feedback. I know um, most of the emails and messages we get are very, very nice and kind, uh, which I appreciate. But um, certainly, if you want to be a guest, reach out and let us know. You don't have to be nice and kind. You can, you yeah. can yell at us or or whatever. We don't care. I, I am always very intrigued and exciting when anybody 
says they listen to Sean and I talk for more than a few minutes. It is intriguing. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, <laughs> but cool. Yes, we are very yeah. thankful for it. Yeah, yeah, we are thankful for it. So, if feedback, positive, uh, opportunistic, or just you want to get on the show and, and talk about how you feel about it, certainly go for it. I'm hoping some of the digital folks that I met that said they will be on the the the, the podcast will actually come to version because they will absolutely add a different spin than what we're used to based on the conversations I had live with them. So it'll be fun. Uh, but we like fun. So thank you so much for listening. We're, I think we're on every platform now, which is great. I stick to what I said live is we're going to, we're going to try to get video out in a different way besides YouTube, because the feedback is a lot of people can't find it, which is good feedback for Sean and I to know. But liking and subscribing the podcast actually helps us get it out there. I thought it was a it was a really interesting too, and I won't I won't get into details yet because we don't have them. But it sounds like someone else has another podcast that has a similar name than ours coming out. So we encourage that. We 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 encourage people. Uh, we love we love healthy competition, and we love that there's obviously a need for what we're doing. We do know that the Cast News podcast will be the first and the best because we're here. But well, it has to be, yes, exactly. Yeah, it has to be. So, um, but I think it, it, it's definitely interesting. So, like, subscribe. Thanks for listening, and everybody, stay safe. And we will talk to you in a week. All right, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cash News podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.